Happy Tuesday and welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. And this really is Fearless with Jason Whitlock because Uncle Jimmy is uh, still at home recovering. Uh, had a good chat with him this morning. Uh, he seems to be in improving spirits and, and optimistic as, as we all are. He's going to have a full recovery and return to the show. Uh, but, you know, while he's away, we're going a little bit more bare bones, knuckle brawling. Uh, I got I'm, I got my fighting spirit back. Uh, not that I, I ever lost it, but you know when you get my age, in your mid fifties, it's like you're more careful about what fights you pick and choose. I back in my people that have followed my career for a long time, you know back in my twenties and thirties, oh I'd fight with anybody. It was just. It was just on just because what else is there to do? Let's just argue and fight and fuss and clown suit people in columns and on my radio shows and on TV. Uh, now you kind of pick and choose when and and, you know, and then some people, you know, they challenge you. Because I am when it comes to bare knuckle brawling in the sports media world, I am the GOAT. I'm Floyd Mayweather, Muhammad Ali, Joe Lewis, uh, and Tyson Fury wrapped into one. <laughs> uh, and so I have an awesome show uh, planned for us today. Uh, Steve Kim is going to join us uh, in 15, 20 minutes. He's, he's, I'm going to start a fire and then bring Steve Kim in. But before I do that, I want to talk about uh, and we're going to get to John Gruden and the developments there, obviously. Uh, but I want to talk about what transpired yesterday on this show and the response that I predicted I would get from yesterday's show. And uh, Randy Moss uh, wants to challenge the GOAT. And he, he, he did exactly what I predicted would happen from yesterday's show when I talked about Randy Moss shedding those crocodile tears because he was offended by something John Gruden wrote in an email uh, 10 years ago. Uh, I predicted exactly how Randy would, would respond. But let's first, let's play the clip from me yesterday talking about what Randy Moss's response, what potentially Ryan Clark's response would be for me calling these guys out for these tears they're shedding on national TV and tapping into this emotional feminine energy on national TV, this new emasculation of black male public figures. Let's play the clip of me predicting how they would respond. If, if, and, and I know these guys, Gonna be all upset and probably <laughs> they go because let me just say they'll cry on air about an email that a white man sent or what a white woman said to his son in a drive-through window. They'll cry on air about that, but what they'll likely do is talk. Man, I hope I see Whitlock. I'm gonna whoop his ass. So do you notice that, like, white people bring them to tears. Black people make them want to get violent. Think, think that one through. Yeah, uh, and so 
as I said, and you know, that, that was a condensed clip and it was perfect. I'm not complaining at all. But I went on to make the analogy like when, when we as black men, when we get offended by white men, we're reduced to tears. And what happens in the inner city or among black people, when we get offended by each other, we reach for pistols and guns and firearms and we shoot and kill each other. And I asked people, at the, I think this was at the end of yesterday's show, I asked people, think about that, marinate on that. How we as black men respond to conflict depending on the color of the person we have conflict with. If we are offended by a white man, it's perfectly, or a white woman, it's perfectly appropriate to go on national TV and cry. Perfect. You will get great applause. Awesome, yeah, you do. Stick, that's it, yeah, cry. Black people, white people, everybody will applaud you. You get offended by a black man, you go straight to, oh, it's on, on site. And that's what Randy Moss did uh, yesterday. He went to Twitter and promoted the fact that it's on site as soon as he sees me. And so I'm not surprised. I would like to tell uh, Randy and anybody else out there the reason why I conduct myself the way that I do uh, and the reason why this show is called Fearless is because I'm protected by the blood of Jesus. And so I really don't care what your reaction is. I, I really don't. If it's on on site, I think I'll survive. If I don't survive, must be my time to go. But at 54 years old, I'm just kind of over it. And I've been over it again. When I was younger, you know, you know, <laughs> I, I've been through this athletes threatening to kill me, threatening to beat me up. I've been through Wayne Simmons, uh, <laughs> linebacker, former NFL linebacker, attacked me in a club. I've talked about it on, on this show, but that was in my younger days. But I'm just, I'm more resolute now at 54 than, than back then. And back then I was just kind of young and dumb and stupid, maybe just as stupid as them. But now I just, I'm protected. And so I really don't care that Randy Moss is so trapped in the brain of a white supremacist and so concerned with the opinions of white men that all he can think to do is cry because John Gruden wrote an email about D. Marie Smith's lips. And then all he can do is think to cry. But when I mock him appropriately for like, hey man, cut this out. This is embarrassing. You can't be reduced to tears because a white man said something negative about you or any man. You're damn near 40 years old, 50 years old yourself. Grow up and grow a pair. And don't do this emasculated BS on national TV. And I mocked Randy Moss and he, let's play a clip of 
you know, me impersonating Randy Moss so you'll understand exactly why he's upset. And for us to be moving back and not forward in 21st century, like I said, man, National Football League, this hurts me. The clock is ticking, man. I'm sorry. For us to be moving back, not forward, you know, we went 10 years into John Gruden's emails and we found racism in those emails from John Gruden back. We're not looking forward. We're not moving forward. The NFL, this hurts. This, this hurts. Those emails hurt me. Didn't they hurt you? I mean, oh my God. He said, Demore Smith has big lips. Oh my God. Can you believe that? Demore Smith has big lips. And he said it in an email. So what I would suggest to Randy, if you don't like that, look in the mirror and address the buffoonery that you put on display over at ESPN. Surrounded by all them white people crying and and really laughing behind your back that you're that kind of soft. Don't blame me. Blame yourself. Man up and address the buffoonery and the emasculated feminine energy that you let spill out all over TV because some white man wrote an email that talked about some black man's lips. Just think that through. Say it out loud. I went on national TV and cried because a white man talked about some other black man's big lips. Say it out loud. Think it through. Are you really that weak? And if you are, don't blame me. I didn't have a damn thing to do with it. But, you know, go ahead, cry, threaten me with violence, or do whatever it is you want to do. Good luck with it. Uh, And so, I just wanted to address that. And, and now I'm, I want to start a new fire related to John Gruden. We'll also touch on uh, Kyrie Irving at some point during this show, I think with Steve Kim. Kyrie, the Nets have basically booted him uh, from their facilities because he won't be vaccinated. I'm going to get into that. I got a, actually a sexy opinion about that. But let me start the fire today as it relates to uh, uh, John Gruden and him being fired or resigning from the Raiders. Uh, Based on New York Times reporting, John Gruden broke at least seven of the woke religion's Ten Commandments. His damnation to unemployment and disgrace was inevitable. He's a sinner cast into the fiery hell of cancel culture. The woke religion disavows forgiveness and mercy. The woke cult prefers retribution for thought crimes. Gruden is a high-profile symbol of the consequences of disobedience to the woke. Monday night, he resigned from his position as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. He resigned amid an investigation into private emails he wrote while working for ESPN as its lead broadcaster on Monday Night Football. 
Gruden frequently emailed Bruce Allen, an executive with the Washington football team at the time. The NFL has been investigating Washington owner Dan Snyder's football team for a couple of years. During the course of its review of emails of Washington employees, the league discovered Gruden's emails to Allen. The emails were written over the course of about 10 years and seemingly stopped in 2018 when Gruden left the broadcast booth to become head coach of the Raiders. Late last week, while DeMarie Smith faced a vote regarding the future of his tenure as executive director of the NFL Players Association, the Wall Street Journal reported that Gruden wrote an email to Allen that called Smith dumb and ridiculed Smith's big lips. Corporate media quickly framed Gruden's lip comment as racist. Smith just as quickly framed himself as a victim of a race crime and garnered the necessary votes to stave off a removal as executive director. What a coincidence. But let's review the seven woke commandments Gruden violated with his emails, according to the New York Times. Uh, number one, thou shalt not disparage Barack Obama. The Times revealed Gruden criticized President Obama during his 2012 re-election campaign. This is an explosive, a really explosive revelation. A U.S. citizen criticized a presidential candidate? Stop the presses! Oh my God! Barack Obama was criticized while running for president. Can you believe it? I mean, unreal! Gruden wasn't done there, though. He violated a second woke commandment. Thou shalt not push back against the Big Lips Matter movement. Big Lips Matter is the DeMaurice faction of the Black Lives Matter movement. Many white women, particularly Instagram models and the actress Angelina Jolie, passionately support Big Lips Matter. Number three, thou shalt not question hiring practices based on sexual and gender identity. Rudin apparently felt NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell overstepped his authority when he pressured former Rams coach Jeff Fisher to draft Missouri defensive end Michael Sam because Sam is queer. Gruden also isn't a fan of, isn't a fan of the NFL's policy of microwaving, fast-tracking women through the referee process so the league can have more female refs. He complained about that. I would imagine a lot of coaches have complained about that. That's pretty pervasive throughout the NFL, those complaints, but again, you can't say it out loud or you can't even say it in private in an email. Uh, number four, thou shalt not disagree with national anthem protesters. Gruden said that Eric Reed, you remember Callan Kaepernick's BFF? Said that Eric Reed should be fired. I mean, oh my God. Someone was upset with Eric Reed and Colin Kaepernick and the national anthem protesters. I had no idea. I thought all the coaches in the NFL all agreed with that. I'm just shocked that John Gruden privately thought that that, that was stupid. And he said that while being uh, privately, while being a broadcaster for ESPN. How dare he think that? Uh, number five, 
Thou shalt not look fondly upon bare female breasts. Gruden and his male friends exchanged pictures of topless women via email. Now, I've been told that most men do this via texturing. That's what I've been told. I know nothing about this. I don't know any man that would be sharing topless photos of, of women, particularly attractive women. If they were showing pictures from National Geographic, I would get it. You can pass those around via texturing, via email. That's all very educational and healthy. But attractive women, topless, with big firm breasts, resting comfortably and, and perky, perhaps excited nipples, that I could never see a man sharing via email or text. I certainly know I wouldn't do it. I, I mean, but I'm kind of a prude. So I don't have anything like that on my phone. Uh, number six, thou shalt not speak honestly about Joe Biden. Gruden called Biden a nervous, clueless P word. Seems very harsh to me. President Biden has never seemed nervous to me. He seems sedated. So I have no idea that calling him nervous, I think is really out of bounds and out of line. And I could see why people are upset. Number seven, thou shalt not defend football. Gruden complained that Goodell's safety policies were an overreaction and made mothers fear allowing their sons to play football. I gotta say, of all the sins that Gruden committed, of all the commandments he violated, this is the one that I was happiest to learn about, and I was a bit surprised. I don't know if people remember this, but when Gruden was on Monday Night Football and he got all wrapped up with Sean McDonough and that Monday Night Football broadcast, they, I think it was during a Steelers-Bengals game, they complained about the brutality of football, and I was like, oh my God, ESPN has created a, a Monday Night Football broadcast booth that is bothered by football's violence. And they've trapped John Gruden into going down this path, this lane, along with Sean McDonough, who can't stand football and was only there because he was some sort of diversity and inclusion hire. But anyway, so I was glad to see that Gruden is actually sane and knows that Roger Goodell and all these safety protocols uh, have been a complete overreaction and they're ruining the game and they're killing the lifeblood of football by uh, scaring the hell out of mothers and mothers not wanting their sons to play football. I'm actually glad to know John Gr And it, it, does, it does surprise me, but it doesn't really surprise me. He's a football coach. He knows what the game is about. But the hypocrisy of people Cheering Gruden's cancellation is what's really breathtaking. These same people were quiet when actor Michael Rappaport aired out NBA star Kevin Durant's homophobic, profane, misogynistic, and threatening direct messages. You, you guys remember this? This was just back in April. Remember, they were going back and forth over Instagram and Michael Rappaport aired it all out. I'm consistent on all this stuff. 
Durant and Gruden have a right to privacy and the right to express opinions polite society finds abhorrent. Durant apologized, the NBA fined Durant $50,000, and everyone moved on. That's what should have happened to John Gruden. But we must remember, Gruden is white. He's a white man. He's one of these guys that Randy Moss and others worship. He's held to a much higher standard of accountability than black men. Of course, this is racist, but the woke religion allows for and promotes racism. It also loves double standards. The NFL recently announced that rappers Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, and Eminem will star in the league's Super Bowl halftime show. Dre, Snoop, M have a catalog of music that makes Gruden's emails sound like a Sunday school lesson. Gruden's private emails make him unfit to work on the NFL's platform. Meanwhile, a collection of pornographic and profane rappers are the perfect choice to showcase on popular culture's largest platform. The NFL's lack of self-awareness is stunning. Roger Goodell is the worst commissioner in the history of professional sports. The NFL has no guiding principles and no moral compass. It's led by the woke cult and social media. If you remove the crass words and interpret the message, that's what John Gruden was really complaining about in his emails. The NFL's lack of leadership and direction. It will be interesting to see if Gruden bends his knee and converts to the woke religion. Will he join all the other closeted men in modern America? That closet is filled with millions of heterosexual Christian men who now live in shame of their values and beliefs because the alphabet mafia will damn them to hell on earth. That's what's going on. Those of you with traditional Christian values, those of you like me, we're being put in the closet. We're having to hide who we are and live in shame. The alphabet mafia gets to hold public protests in the streets and public celebrations of their lifestyle. They get to prance around nude, basically in the streets, invite your kids to come and protest with them. They get to let it all hang out. And they get to tell your kids, they're in the school system, preaching and teaching their lifestyle to your kids while you live trapped in the closet. That's what I loved about Dave Chappelle's comedy routine when he basically talked about the oppressed becoming the oppressors. And it applies on so many different levels. Dave made the reference to space Jews. I'm making the reference to the alphabet mafia. I have sympathy for them. I feel like uh, we treated their sin as if it was different than our sin. That Jason Whitlock can run around and be as 
heterosexually promiscuous as he as his heart desires and no one at church or no one in society could say a word about it. And it's all applauded. That was wrong. That was wrong. I deserve to be convicted and I deserve to be shamed. I deserve to be called out for that. But the solution isn't like, well, let's just legalize everything. Let's just normalize everything. Let's just put people with traditional values. Let's put them in the closet. Let's make them the bad people. I'm looking over social media this morning and people are going at Tony Dungy's neck because he had the audacity to say that uh, we should accept John Gruden's apology and move on. And now Tony Dungy, one of the most respected, high character men in the NFL, now he's in the crosshairs. The Alphabet Mafia wants to stuff Tony Dungy and his beliefs in the closet. Are you going to remain a coward and stay trapped in the closet as this country is remade. I'm not. This show will not. That's why we call it fearless. I'm trying to build a fearless army. People that ain't scared, man or woman. But I certainly need men to stand up. I don't think these women are nearly as scared as us men are and have been acting. That's my fire for today. We're going to roll out to Los Angeles, but before we do that, I'm going to tell you about my good friends at Good Ranchers, because I love to talk about Good Ranchers, because they've been very good to me. It's the best quality food you need. You need to see, and our friends over at Good Ranchers have it. You will not find a better choice of high-grade meat anywhere, and it's all sourced from farms right here in the heartland. That's right, all of their food comes from farms in America. It's not shipped from China like their competitors. And it's the best 100% American grass-fed grass and grain-finished beef and chicken. Their cattlemen, or Rancher's Classic Bundles will provide everyone in your family a great meal that will have you wanting more and, re and regretting you haven't come to them sooner. So stop waiting and go online to order right now. Support Good Ranchers because they support the Fearless Army. Soldiers in this Fearless Army, soldiers that want to see America return to being America, they need to be fed by good ranchers and we need to support good ranchers because they are on our team. Plus, it's very affordable. It's high quality food. It will help you eat better and lose weight the way that I am. But more than anything, you gotta support the sponsors who are supporting me and this point of view. You're here because you like it. You wanna know what you can do? The first step coming out of the closet Go to GoodRanchers.com slash fearless to get $20 off and free express shipping. That's GoodRanchers.com slash fearless. All right, welcome back.
Uh, let's roll out to Los Angeles and see if uh, my guy Steve Kim can keep this uh, fire going. Uh, Steve, here's where I'm going to start. Do you think John Gruden bends a knee to the woke religion? Mm, it depends. Does he want to work again in a corporate structure, whether that means the National Football League or ESPN? If he doesn't um, and you make that stand that, hey, I'm good with it. I made enough money. I don't want this anymore. I don't need this anymore. I'm not welcome. Now you have options. See, when you work with a little bit of quote unquote fearlessness, you have that option, much like Jason, if you were working at another corporate venture, like an ESPN or even Fox Sports, you probably would not have the liberty and freedom to say what you say now. So that's the decision that he's going to make is number one, does he want to get into football and at what level? And if he wants to get into the broadcasting realm, which platforms does he want to work for? That will decide what course he takes. You, you say, does he, can he work back in the NFL? I mean, can, can, who, at this point, is, is he hireable in the NFL? <laughs> no. At, at, at any No, he's so, more toxic than Three Mile Island. That, so he may have to just grin and bear it and say, you know what? My coaching career is over, but I've had a good run. He's probably going to get a settlement. He's still got, what, six years left on that contract. Uh, my assumption is he'll get at least some of that money from Mark Davis and the Oakland organization. But you're right. I don't know right now if any of the 32 or the 31 other NFL franchises would have the guts to hire him, even, let's say, in two, three years. And the other thing is that we have to be realistic about this. If you go back to when John Gruden won the Super Bowl, that was the 2002 season, and every subsequent year since then, I believe he's only made the playoffs twice. So let's say he just decided to retire on his own volition and then wanted to come back. I don't know if his re recent track record is good enough that teams would be jumping out for the type of price tag that he comes with. How bad, and, and I don't, how bad do you think the things are that he said in those in those emails. <laughs> how, how I mean, I, I saw, I, and this is a bit of a curveball I'm throwing you, but I saw Kay Smith, who works for Barstool Sports. She tweeted out last night or this morning. I saw some, that John Gruden is a scumbag, and 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 I, I read this and I go, the lack of self awareness is so breathtaking for everybody. I'm like. She works at Barstool for Dave Portnoy. What do we think Dave Portnoy's <laughs> emails and text messages look like from the last 10 years? And so, and I'm not saying that to denigrate Dave Portnoy. I like and respect what he's done at Barstool. But I, I just, I look at people and I just wonder like, what do they think is in the typical, and at this time, I think Gruden was in his 40s when a lot of this was going on, but I, I'm, I, and, and maybe I'm just, I live in a world that's completely different, but there's nothing I saw in those emails that shocked me. I'm not saying that I agree with the language, because, you know, for the most part, I don't. 
but none of it's shocking when you think you're having a one-on-one conversation with someone you're really close to or you're in an email exchange with two or three of your closest friends. A lot of inappropriate things get said, particularly in people's 40s. So how bad was what he said? Does, I, I, I don't know. Well, first of all, for someone at Barstool to clutch their pearls, excuse the term, that's like someone at Mad Magazine saying, boy, I mean, we didn't handle that subject with enough reverence. I mean, that, that that's very ironic, okay? But let's be real, Jason. I think a lot of guys our age, a lot of people in general are probably in private group chats or email chains where a lot of racy stuff is said. Now, I looked up John Gruden's age. He's 58, so he's from that era that wasn't imprisoned by political correctness when he grew up. Grew up in coaching, football, very masculine. So a lot of things are said, a lot of things that are racy, a lot of things that may not be acceptable in public. But you're right, he probably thought I was in a cyber huddle or a cyber locker room and engaged in a lot of locker room talk. The issue was that I think the first thing he said about Demore Smith, he probably could have gotten away with it because that might have blown over. But once he went after the commissioner and then he made the gay slur, the problem was the volume uh, was very tough to overlook. You know what I found interesting, Jason, and me and you were texting during the Monday night game last night. It was a couple of minutes before halftime where Adam Schefter broke into the ESPN broadcast and said, breaking news, John Gruden has resigned uh, as the coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. I was like, wow, that's a story. So when you go to halftime, you have Booger McFarlane, Adam Schefter, and a co-host talking about the thing. After they broke uh, into a commercial, one of the commercials was that ad that caused a lot of attention about how football is inclusive and it is everything. It is gay, it's heterosexual, it's homosexual, and it was like an LGBTQ NFL ad. And right there, it struck me. John Gruden picked on the wrong subjects. He probably could have got away with the Moore Smith, could have got away with other slurs. But once he used that homophobic language, at that point, he was cooked. And you're going straight to Dave Chappelle's point that if you saw Dave Chappelle's comedy bit, he's like, hey, the baby, the rapper, hey, he can kill someone inside of a Walmart. No damage to his career say something that can be called uh, homophobic or transphobic, eviscerated and canceled. And it is this standard of like the alphabet group is the most powerful and protected group of people on the planet. C- can that continue on for forever? Everybody else everybody else can be offended and you can somewhat survive. Although I I think a lot of people would say, I I don't think they thought he was going to survive the DeMarie Smith comments that, you know, right beneath the LGBT group is black. You can't offend black people. Uh, I, 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 because you know what, Steve, someone reminded me, Uh, today, or actually you reminded one of our producers, I I didn't know this, that we actually connected over my Jeremy Lin tweet. (laughs) I did not remember that at all. And 
it, it, Can I tell and the so story? some people would see like yeah go ahead, please <laughs> so this is the funny thing during the height of linsanity which was about what seven eight years ago and i've been an admirer of your work for years uh for some reason you followed me after i followed you and, and you said this joke where you said after jeremy had this great game for the knicks boy some lady's gonna get the most memorable three inches of her life and I'm like, what? I thought that was hilarious because I was only upset because it's not factual because I'm packing at least three and a half. So for the record. <laughs> so then, then then the mob came after you. And, and I remember I dropped you a note in the DM. I just said, Jay, that was funny. Why, why, why'd you apologize? Like, none of us are going to pick it here. It's a stereotype. It's great. Um, you know, look, stereotypes are a part of life. You have fun with them. It's like when people see me, they probably think I'm really good at math and bad at driving. Lo and behold, I'm actually a pretty good driver. I'm really bad at math. It is what it is. And I remember you telling me, well, Steve, it was insensitive and this, this and that. But I didn't, I didn't really get it. I also remember during that stretch of insanity, Floyd Mayweather, uh, a, an individual that I've had a lot of issues with, said if Jeremy Lin was not an Asian, no one would be making a big deal about this. And I remember Tim taking a lot of heat and people thought he was racist. Believe it or not, I actually agree with them. If that was just a, a black basketball player that went to Duke or North Carolina as a lottery pick, it would be treated as, wow, this guy's a great player. But because Jeremy was such an outlier, it became a big thing. But we have to stop being so offended by everything. If it actually came out that John Gruden uh, called Asian people gooks or chinky or slope or whatever, it wouldn't necessarily change my mind about him. Uh, he's a He's a kind of a abrasive guy that uses certain language to get through to people. But what's interesting is, though, and I sent you the interview of Sean King, a, a guy that I, I know a little bit. Um, he's a big boxing fan. Sean King, the NFL quarterback, the former not, NFL yeah. quarterback, Sean King. Not Talcum yeah. X, right, not Martin Luther King, yes. that guy. Um, and yeah. he came on a show on Fox Sports with, what is it, Rob Parker and uh, Chris Broussard. And it seemed to me like they were waiting for him to throw Gruden under the bus. And Sean said, no, I, I didn't always agree with him. We had issues, but never personal. And it seemed to me like he kind of liked him. Like he said, he's fine as a coach. When, when you're coaching, there's going to be harsh language, especially in a sport like football, which is testosterone-filled, is very physical, uh, oftentimes violent. You know what I found interesting, Jay, and we can talk about Randy Moss later. Let's talk about another wide receiver, Keyshawn Johnson, who I believe is now using this whole episode to reinvent – or rewrite his history in Tampa Bay by saying, see, I knew Gruden was this type of guy. Uh, this proves a lot of, no, wait a minute. Keyshawn, you were a bad teammate. Guys like Warren Sapp did not like you at all, and they had no problem saying it. And Keyshawn, after the Super Bowl year of 2002, was actually just fired by the Buccaneers because of his conduct, and none of the players actually disagreed with it. So people are riding this to the hilt, and now they're playing the oppression Olympics or the offensive Olympics. Um, and what took place on the NFL countdown show on Sunday, I thought was just embarrassing. Embarrassing. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson is definitely using this to uh, extract some revenge, revenge on John Gruden. There's no, no question about that. The, the thing that I don't like about what Keyshawn's doing, what Randy Moss is doing, it's like they're reinventing themselves or yes. they're not addressing who they actually were. And so what you will hear from me, and I'm not telling these guys they need to be exactly like me, but, but, but I'm just, this is what I 
try to do and what I respect in others is like, I am fully aware of all the mistakes I've made. And that's why I'm empathetic or, and want to give grace and mercy and forgiveness to people that make mistakes. And it's like, Keyshawn Johnson and Randy Moss, you know, had careers that, uh, Randy Moss had a Hall of Fame career, obviously. Yeah. But it was mistake filled. He did. A, the, the guy rammed his car into a female parking <laughs> attendant or something like that. He, he, he didn't ram it. He, he kind of like kept moving it while she was trying to stop it. Let, let's be honest about that. But, you know, here's the issue that I have with, with a lot of media members when something like this comes out, that they get into performative wokeness and whatever their outrage is, they then go tenfold on it, hoping to ride the wave and then parlay that into some sort of relevance. And I think in their own view, they they understand that if, just, if they actually say, well, it's no big deal, it doesn't bother me, they don't want that backlash. So they have to go out there and feign outrage and how upset they are, even if they're not. Now, I want to talk about Randy Moss real fast. He said something that was really interesting to me when he first started on, in on this. He said, my civil rights were violated, so this really hurts me. Uh, I looked into that, and I remember watching the 30-30 on him and his crew from Huntington, West Virginia. He had a legal issue because of a fight, kind of an Allen Iverson situation, that got his scholarship pulled from the University of Notre Dame, went to Florida State, and then he got busted for marijuana, so that's how he ended up at Marshall. Randy, there's a huge difference between a legal issue and a civil rights violation. And, and then when he started to cry, I'm like, oh, geez, he did the Herb Street. And I'm just wondering why. Did that, the things that are said on a football field, uh, Jason, you could talk about it more than I can. You actually really played the game at a pretty high level. If that makes you cry, Randy Moss may have curled up in a fetal position. Again, I call that performative wokeness. I'm going to tell you why Randy Moss and others are, are saying what they're saying. And the, these broadcasters say Randy Moss, he's not qualified to be a broadcaster. He got the job because he caught a bunch of passes in the NFL. Uh, he didn't get the job because, you know, he's got the best voice, the best insight, speaks the most clearly. He, he didn't get it for any of those reasons. He didn't earn his way there. He played football to his way there. And so when you know you're in a position you don't deserve, you're very beholden to the puppet masters and whoever helped put you in that position. What, what's going on with John Gruden is a hit. It, 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 it's, it, it's, it's like what happened to JFK. And I, I'm not trying to trivialize JFK, but this is a coup d'etat being executed. John, John Gruden is being executed by the NFL. They want him out of the league. Roger Goodell doesn't like him. Troy Vincent doesn't like him. And Roger Goodell, Troy Vincent, these guys are the puppet masters dictating to ESPN and Fox and whoever else about which former players get to be on air and have these broadcasting jobs and make one, two, three, four million dollars up to 20 million dollars if you're Tony Romo. This is all decided and influenced by Roger Goodell, Troy Vincent, and the power structure of the NFL. The power structure of the NFL 
wants to off John Gruden as a symbol to the rest of the NFL. We're going down this left woke lane. We're, we're, we're swallowing it whole. Those of you that want to object, we will take you out just like we just took out John Gruden. So get on board with female referees, get on board with female assistant coaches, get on board with Black Lives Matters messaging, get on board with whatever the hell the players wanna do to make sure they're good on social media, get on board, don't question anything. I told this this morning uh, to Glenn Beck. It's no different than what we're seeing in the political space with the Biden administration using the Department of Justice and the military to impose a way of thinking on anyone within their ranks if, or, or even parents uh, as it relates to school boards and critical race theory. They're now about to criminalize going to school boards and. Uh, being hostile towards uh, school board members or, or, or whatever. There's a line of thinking being imposed on everyone. Football and, and football's importance in popular culture and the NFL's importance to five different television networks. They have to jump on board with the left agenda. John Gruden is a sacrifice. He's, he's, he's a symbol to everybody else. If you don't get on board with this, we can go through your emails, we can go through your text message, we can find someone to me to you, we can get you if you're not on board. Because if you, it's like when I talked about the, the, the sins that, that John Gruden violated of the woke religion, all of it, it they wanna shut, you, you can't criticize Obama, you can't criticize uh, 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 Joe Biden, you can't say, you can't act like uh, that the LGBT people aren't the greatest human beings that God ever created. You, you, you can't say like, well, hold on, man, is, is this woman that's a referee that's only been refereeing for six years and it took me 15 years or 20, 20 years of hard work to get up to the NFL level. She just did it in six. You can't complain about any of that. And these assistant coaches and executives that they're installing all over the NFL. And, and eventually, trust me, there will be some trans woman playing in the NFL and everybody's gonna act like, oh my God, we got a woman playing football and everybody has to be on board with that. This is a message hit. John Gruden has been taken out as a message to everybody else, hop on board with the woke. Yeah, and Jason, you use the word sacrifice. I'll, I'll go a different direction here. It's much easier to get rid of a coach. They're not as powerful in many ways. They are the head pawns in charge of the players. We're the ultimate chess pieces on the board, but the chess masters are the owners. Now, I, I kind of was told this by somebody in the know that knows how this thing works in the National Football League, is that maybe John Gruden was sacrificed by Mark Davis through – Daniel Snyder, because those two guys, especially Daniel Snyder, who's at the root of this investigation, he knows everything. He knows the secrets of the other 31 owners and the inner workings of the National Football League. And this is all about protecting the shield, the brand of the three letters, the National Football League, the NFL. John Gruden, as long as he gets his money and he can live well the rest of his life to his dying days, 
Maybe he's okay with that. Maybe he understands the position and the role that he plays. But if you do that real sacrifice, and let's say you go out there and you string up a Daniel Snyder, what else would be revealed at that point? I think that's a part of it. It is a sacrifice because maybe they really can't do anything to a Mark Davis or a Daniel Snyder. Uh, yes, they can do something to those guys. Uh, we, we, we take uh, my friend Papa John from Papa John's Pizza. Went to Ball State. Uh, that That's the foundation of our relationship, but he's a billionaire that uh, someone wanted to take over his business and they set him up and manipulated him and took statements he said out of context and they ran him out of Papa John's Pizza. And so these billionaires in this current woke climate and environment, they're just as vulnerable as anybody else. And again, take uh, Robert Kraft and, and what happened to him at the massage parlor. Why do you think he's running around with Meek Mill and Cardi B and, everybody, and, and kissing the ring of the left and, and of all the celebrity influencers? Because he doesn't want to be taken out. You can be discreet. Take well, the, the owner of uh, Jerry Richardson, the owner of the Carolina Panthers. They got his ass up out of there. Uh, and so Donald Sterling, what happened to him? This this is right. very similar to Donald Jason, Sterling. Private comments. Yeah. I don't disagree, but what I mean is that the most dangerous people or person are the ones that know a lot or too much. And maybe they're afraid that Daniel Snyder is such a loose cannon, he'll actually release secrets. That he'll actually blab. And that would be powerful and it'd be explosivity as he pulls the curtain behind the inner workings of this multi-billion corporation. That's who's he going mean. right. to blab uh, to? Who's he going to blab to? Who's going to accept? Who's going to? Again, they've already framed Daniel Snyder as one of the worst people in the history of the NFL. Oh, my God. They, they act like he invented the name Redskins <laughs> and slapped it on the helmet. He just happened to buy the team. And, and then... They framed him up as some kind of sexual deviant pervert, and who, maybe he is. I, I don't know, but I, I'm just telling you that if they choose to go after Dan Snyder, he has no recourse. He does. He's not Jeff Bezos. He doesn't own a newspaper. He doesn't own a, a media company. He's not the richest person in the world, and so he can be got. And 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 I don't think he'll have much of a defense. All of corporate media will uh, ignore him. It's like, if you're John Gruden and you're sitting at home this morning thinking about, man, where do I go to get my side of the story out? Well, if I go on one of these conservative outlets, I'm going to be called racist. The left-wing outlets, the only way they let me on is if I bend the knee and swallow whatever they're telling me to swallow. Hmm. It's... It, it, you're caught between a rock and a hard place. And I, I'll go back to that's why we've started this platform, why we partner with the Blaze, why, you know, people have to, me and you talk about this in private all the time. The reason why you're so tremendous is because you just don't care anymore. You're not trying to work for corporate media. You're fearless and you can hear it in the things that you're willing to say. 
And the only people that can espouse the truth are the people that are fearless uh, and, and, and just feel like, you know what, I'm on the other side of this whole thing. I can care less what social media thinks about me. And, and for John Gruden or Daniel Snyder, who made a lot of money, want to continue to make money, uh, want to protect their legacy, don't want their kids. Again, if John Gruden handles this poorly, he's sitting there thinking he's got kids, he's got a son who I think is an assistant NFL coach or whatever. Yes. And it's like, if he handles this the wrong way, corporate media is going to frame John Gruden as a racist. They're going to dirty up the Gruden name and then make his son or his kids carry that name and deal with the stench that the media puts on that name. Yeah, you make a strong argument for it, though, but I, I will disagree, though. I think there's enough alternative outlets that are actually picking up steam that they would love this story, that if Daniel Snyder, let's say he got ripped away, that franchise, whether it's justified or not, he's the type of figure that he has enough power economically. So those other guys were a little bit older. Daniel Snyder, I still look at him largely in the prime of his life. He's relatively young looking for his age. He actually has something to say, and he knows a lot, and he's willing to just spill it out. I have a hard time believing that he'd be completely suppressed. That's just my view, Jason. Won't be completely suppressed, but look, I guarantee you Daniel Snyder's friends with Mike Lindell from My Pillow, And Mike Lindell can, can tell Dave, well, here's how this plays, bro. Uh, for a while, you'll get to go on Fox News. And eventually, they won't have you on Fox News anymore if you're, you know. And so I, I just, I, I just think it's more complicated. And and in this very polarized uh, environment we have, and then Daniel Snyder's been rich for a very long time. He's got skeletons in his closet. And and and. I'll give you another one, and I'm not remotely saying this guy is innocent. I'm not saying he's innocent. But powerful men that have made a bunch of money, they look and go, Bill Cosby did three years? They go, woo! <laughs> not me. And so I'm going to keep my head down and just avoid the trouble because Bill Cosby did three years. Who had a better reputation than Bill Cosby? And he went to prison. They can get whoever they want. They might, but let, let's be honest about this. What? Let's not conflate what Bill Cosby did to what is being alleged right. with Daniel Snyder. I'm not making a judgment on either guy, uh, but Daniel Snyder ran a very loose organization. It wasn't exactly to the corporate uh, standards of a lot of other organizations. Um, Allegedly. You know, I, that, you, know, allegedly. A, you know a lot about the Washington organization from Los Angeles. Go ahead. Yeah, okay. Well, I've read the stories too, but for some reason, Snyder has been a marked man. Um, and you hear stories about a lot of owners, but he's not part of the favored status for some reason. But, I, and again, I, I'd be careful in terms of comparing what Cosby allegedly did. Let's use that word compared to what is being alleged with Daniel Snyder. I don't think it's at that same level. Sexual impropriety is a part of the Washington organization it, investigation. Right, but until we hear of Daniel Snyder throwing in roofies on girls' drinks and taking advantage of them, I, I wouldn't put him at That's, that. I'm just saying, it's, 
I'm not putting him at that Cosby level. What I said was, and not in any way a defense of Cosby, was like, Cosby had a great reputation. The skeleton in his closet ended up putting him in prison for three years. I'm just, the allegations and the insinuations about Daniel Snyder and sexual impropriety, the, the next thing you know, he, Brett Kavanaugh got me too over something that happened when he was 14, 15 years old. I'm just, it can happen to anybody. And Daniel Snyder is not immune to that. Oh, okay, we're gonna quit going round and round about that because I want to talk about uh, Kyrie Irving. And I, I have this, th it's funny, you know, Kyrie right now is banned from the Nets facility, or at least he was Tuesday afternoon. We'll, we'll, we'll see how things play out tonight and tomorrow. But until he takes the vaccine, uh, he can't rejoin the Nets, allegedly, as of right now. It's funny that this happened because yesterday or the day before, I kept thinking about what if Tom Brady were to come out and say, I'm not playing any more football until they back off these vaccine mandates, basically in the NFL and all this. You'll never convince me that Tom Brady believes in these vaccine mandates. You'll never, it'll be hard to convince me that he actually took the vaccine. And I know they say that he has and that the Tampa Bay organization is 100% vaccinated. Hard to convince me of that, but I'll take a matter of their word. But you'll never convince me that he believes in it. And so I wish that someone like Tom Brady would call out the NFL. I'm glad to see Kyrie Irving calling out the NBA and standing on prayer. This, and the people are gonna get upset with me that for making this analogy, you may get upset with me, Steve, but this is Muhammad Ali-esque if he hmm. walks away from the NBA and doesn't get vaccinated. It's the ballsiest thing we will have seen in sports since Ali refused to get drafted. We love to talk about LeBron James and he's an activist and he's this and he's that. LeBron James won't do anything that defies the government and what the government wants. These guys are all government props and puppets and you know, they're, everything they do is in accordance with whatever the power and the administration wants done. Ali on the opposite end of that spectrum I think if, if Kyrie sticks to his guns here, hats off, got to salute him. It's Muhammad Ali-esque. Boy, that's a strong comparison. But before I think about that, here's the difference, in my view, between Kyrie and Tom Brady. Tom Brady is the ultimate gamer in a sense that he loves football. I, I get the sense that at age 75, just like Roger Staubach, every Thanksgiving he's going to have his turkey bowl playing out in the backyard and he'll get real competitive playing touch football with his relatives and all his friends. He loves the game. The other issue is, and I've seen a lot of documentaries, read a lot of stuff about Tom Brady. Everyone says how much he cares about the team unit and what a great teammate he is. He actually believes that, hey, I have a duty. I'm the leader of this team. I'm not just a quarterback. I'm the leader. I have to be there. I'm too important, and I care about these other guys. Kyrie is a lone wolf. 
he, like I told you, he's the Kanye West of the NBA. He's a free-thinking guy who's going to stand on his own two feet on the flatlands of whatever planet he thinks he's on. He may not care about the game of basketball, no matter what it's provided him, like the way Tom Brady looks at football. I mean, Tom Brady's a guy that says, I want to play till I'm 50 in a game that really the average career lasts three and a half years. And this guy's willingly saying, I want to play till I'm 50 because I love it that much. I get the sense that if Kyrie's contract ran out next year, he'd be good with just walking away. Uh, he's kind of an odd guy. And I, I don't mean that as a criticism. That's just what he is. He is he is who he is. He's like, I'm going to call him the black Sinatra. He does it his way. So there's a little bit of a difference. With all that said, though, I do give him a lot of credit because he is standing firm. Now, when you take away his salary and you threaten some other legal stuff, will he then capitulate and fold? That remains to be seen. And Jason, as for your comparisons to Muhammad Ali, keep this in mind. At the height of his career, when he was looking incredibly good against guys like uh, Cleveland Williams, um, you know, Zora Foley, he, he looked like the best fighter in the world, period. But he didn't just sit out a couple of games or one season. He actually was banned three years. Now, I will give Irving a lot of credit if he just says, okay, you know what? As long as you ban me, I'm going to ban myself. If he could do that just for one, then I start to believe that maybe that comparison has more validity. So let me first address your Tom Brady point. And then I'll try to circle back to Kyrie if I can still remember what I wanted to say. I'm getting old. Uh, <laughs> but Tom Brady, at some point, has to realize there's a bigger team than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the New England Patriots. And I think he's capable of getting there mentally and saying, like, hey, there's an American team, and my kids have to grow up in this version of America that me and my generation are going to leave behind. And I just can't believe that Tom Brady wants to leave his kids in America that is mandating unproven uh, experimental vaccines uh, that is taking the decision making about what goes into your body away from the individual. This is a primary American freedom. I perhaps foolishly think that Tom Brady values American freedom, values this country, wants to leave his kids a better country than the one that he found. I, I think the evidence is overwhelming. We're not doing that for the next generation of kids. And so I, I, I would like for particularly, let's say Tom Brady wins another Super Bowl this year. I would love for him to go to that podium and say, that's it, guys. I've won eight Super Bowls. There's nothing more I can prove. I'm not coming back and playing in a league that is promoting the kind of division these vaccine mandates are promoting within football. All the values of football are being radically changed and remade, and it's hard for me to believe they're consistent with Tom Brady's values, but maybe they are. Or maybe everybody's just in it because the checks are so good and and the the they're addicted to the fame and all that but but you know the thing about Ali and and sometimes I've been critical of Ali uh, and sometimes I think what Ali did was awesome 
And the whole thing he did with the draft, I just think was awesome. I, I think it was about something bigger than himself and individual glory and accomplishment. And he took a, a, a righteous stand for what was right for him and for what he believed and a powerful stance for the rest uh, of America about that Vietnam War or, 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 or whatever. He became more than just an athlete. And I think that same opportunity is out there for Tom Brady. I think it's out there for Kyrie Irving. I, I, I think LeBron has reduced more than an athlete to a slogan that he slaps on a t-shirt and then he just does all the things that athletes that are on Nike's puppet string do and, and do. And, and you know, it, it, it's, it's just a slogan to LeBron, I would love to see someone back it up. Maybe it's Kyrie Irving. Maybe, you know, in my fantasy world, it's, it's Tom Brady. I think he could afford it. What more can he prove on the field? But why, Jason, why not take no, a stand? Go ahead. But Jason, keep this in mind. About a year or two ago, or several years ago, when, it, when there was a MAGA cap in his locker room, right? And it turned out yeah. that, hey, he didn't hate Donald Trump. In fact, he might endorse him, might even vote for him. He didn't seem comfortable with that. And maybe that's in the back of his mind. Like, look, I'm just here to play ball. I want to collect some more Lombardi trophies. And that's it. He's about football. I still remember last year when the lockdowns were in effect in 2020. This guy defied actual regulations and ordinances and just said to his teammates, hey, let's gather a local park. I want to throw. I need to get to know you guys. You're my new Buccaneers. I'm here to win a Super Bowl. Let's do my own organized Brady offseason practice. That said a lot to me. Like, yeah, this guy really is a leader. He is about winning. But when it came back to that MAGA cap, he seemed very uncomfortable alongside Belichick, even addressing the fact that, hey, we don't hate the guy. We might actually like him. And, and maybe that's in the back of his mind saying, you know what? I went through that once. This, this thing is so divisive. It's been politicized. Let me just play football. Let me be a football player. Now, with Kyrie, I've always gotten the sense, not always, but in the last three, four years, remember, and I'm going to say this again, he was the one player last year during the NBA bubble when everything was going on and the Jacob Blake situation nearly threatened the whole season while everyone else was hemming and hawing, he's the one guy that said, wait a minute, if we want to make a real change and make a statement, let's just not play. Everyone else backed off. Oh, no, 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 we need to get paid, which, by the way, I understand. We all have a job. I'd like to get paid, especially that type of money. But he was the one guy that was willing to say, let's just walk out. We'll make a real stand at that point. So, again, I, I don't see uh Kyrie being the type of individual he's different not better or worse he's just different than a Tom Brady uh I can't let you go without getting your thoughts on the fight we watched together Fury oh. Wilder uh I know we're a little late that uh Randy Moss and John Gruden took over yesterday's show but uh I do want to you're our boxing expert uh <laughs> I was surprised when we were in Nashville, uh, we go over to the doghouse and people were actually, oh, that's Steve Kim. And then they immediately start <laughs> well, talking boxing with you. <laughs> yeah, I know, okay. but it was. Okay, all right. Jason, there were two big upsets on Saturday. By the way, I love the doghouse. They got those 18 television screens. It's college football central. And by the way, I'm glad Ball State won. I needed you in a good mood that night. And I needed you to like actually want to watch the fight. So as Ball State's pulling away, 
uh, on the road, I'm like, thank God. Okay, so there's two big upsets. One was Alabama losing to the Aggies. Jimbo Fisher did a great job of coaching up Zach Calzada. Big win. And the other upset was that you, Jason, actually stayed up past 11 p.m. That is almost like Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson, because I'm not going to lie to you, as the Fury Wilder fight was getting into the mid to late rounds, I kept looking back saying, uh, is uh, Jason knocked out before Deontay Wilder? But you made it through the end, uh, and I'm very happy. Now, about the fight, Jason, I thought it was an entertaining fight. I thought it was a very colorful rivalry, very eventful. However, and me and you talked about it, Wilder was dangerous throughout. He certainly had some moments in the fourth round when he nearly turned the thing around. And because of that heavy, reflexive right hand of his, he was always a lottery punch away. But I got the sense, especially after the sixth round, that it was Tyson Fury in complete physical control, that he was the more relaxed fighter, he's the more natural fighter, and he just steadily took over, chipped away, and Deontay Wilder wanted to go out on his shield after what happened the last time. And Jason, that's what precisely what happened. And I, I'll be honest with you, I hope I'm wrong. I don't think Deontay Wilder will ever be the same physically or psychologically from that fight. I thought he took an amazing whooping. I thought it was courageous how he got up and nearly won the fight with, with his right hand. Uh, I think you and I both agreed. And I think Justin, who who was yes. also, I just, yeah, Justin, who works for Mario Lopez, was also uh, there watching fight. I think we all kind of agreed that, uh, uh, why did I just lose my train of thought? Oh, we all agreed that the announcers were overhyping the quality of the fight. It yeah, was an exciting Jason. fight, but I don't think it was high quality. Jason, if it was a football game, the score would have been 48-31. I mean, it's, it's an exciting game. Guys are scoring touchdowns. Still a three-possession game. And here's the thing. When people said, Steve, isn't that the greatest heavyweight fight of all time? And I'm like, no, because first of all, it was a little bit too one-sided. When I think of the all-time great heavyweight fights, and look, I, I'm not Korean Burt Sugar, but I know a little bit about the history of the sport. I still believe that the Thriller in Manila, Ollie Frazier 3, is the greatest ever. Then you had Ken Norton and Larry Holmes battling for 15 rounds. And the classic fight in 1992, the first matchup between Bo and Holyfield. And also maybe the Anthony Joshua Klitschko fight from about four years ago. The difference is those fights had really good two-way traffic with back-and-forth action. And you really got the sense for long stretches each guy could win the fight. Here, outside of a pocket or two, you never really thought Wilder was going to overcome Fury. I love the fight. It's great that it created buzz. The general media loves it. The general populace loves it. It was great for boxing. But I do think people are being prisoner of the moment as it relates to Fury Wilder 3. You did not mention the rumble in the jungle. Foreman Ali was a great upset. But was it an all-time slugfest in terms of events? Historical achievement for Muhammad Ali to beat a young, strong, robust, intimidating George Foreman, when people actually thought he was going to get literally killed. I mean, people actually were saying, why are you making this fight? And Muhammad Ali stamped his greatness, I believe all-time greatness, with that particular victory as he rope-a-dope Foreman. But again, those other fights had two-way exchanges and repeated uh, back-and-forthing, that there was like great action where you're like, wow, you don't even know that these guys are heavyweights, but they're slugging and they're going back-and-forth. That fight was really about one guy outfoxing another by rope-a-doping and fatiguing a very heavy, uh, 
lumbering George Foreman into submission without him even knowing it. So would I say that's one of the greatest achievements in boxing history? Yes. But in terms of actual prize fight for pure action, uh, I think, again, it falls below the other fights I just mentioned. All right. So very quickly, and this will end on this note, handicap, give me a breakdown, Whitlock, Whitlock versus Randy Moss. Uh, Randy's probably got the reach and speed on me, uh, but, you know, I've got the size. I can lean on him. Uh, how do you think, you know, Randy Moss says it's on site as soon as he sees me. How do you think that fight goes down? Okay, first of all, on site now goes right alongside straight cash homie in the two most memorable things Randy's ever said. Uh, look, for years I worked out at the Wild Card Boxing Club, best known for Freddie Roach and Manny Pacquiao. You could actually work right alongside world-class fighters. Also seen a lot of big-name athletes try to box and fight, baseball players, football players, uh, hockey players. And the best thing I could say about them, and when they're hitting the heavy bag and trying to shadow box, is that they're really good in basketball, baseball, and hockey. They can't fight. They think they can fight, but they can't. Now, here's what I would do uh, with with you if I'm your corner man. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the Emmanuel Stewart. Okay, you have to turn this into an MMA fight. You played offensive line at the Division One level, so Randy's gonna stick and move. He's gonna use his reach and height. He's gonna try to go out there and Larry Holmes you. Uh, you can't do that. You got to grab him, use your girth, and just ground and pound. That's the way to do it. It's a street fight. That's what we're doing on site. So my nickname would be Pinto Bean instead of Butterbean. Uh, what, what do you I think like of that? that? Or how about Black Bean? How about yeah. that one? Black, Black Bean. Bean. That that yeah, works Pinto, as well. You're not Mexican. You're not Mexican. Come on, Jay. Come on. Oh, oh, my bad. All right. All right. Well, thank you. Great job, Steve. That's it, and that's all for us today. Hope you enjoyed uh, today's show. I certainly did. Uh, hit that subscribe and like button. Leave a comment, uh, tell your friends about us, join the Fearless Army at youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Join the Fearless Army. We'll see you tomorrow. No negotiation, my system, no relation We all just wanna have freedom Sitting on the corner, never been alone I'm breaking my back for freedom Bless, we are living, get back We are receiving all the seed When we all wanna be free We want freedom I just want, I wanna be I just want, I wanna be I just want, I wanna be I just want